Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. You know, um, six years ago when we started, we, we started with a mission statement. And pretty much it stayed the same. I want us to go over this real quick. I want you to read this with me. Now, before we do this, I want to just warn everybody that I'm going to expect a little bit of participation this morning, okay? So if you guys could, like, read and and respond, that would be really good this morning, okay? So this is our mission statement, changing life. Let's start over. This is our mission statement. There you go. By being, making, growing and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. I love it because I was watching some of you and you were looking at me going, I still know it. I've memorized it. I haven't forgotten it. Now, when we first started, you might uh, remember that the word being was not in the original manuscripts, as it were. And uh, we added that because it was implied back then. But we added that because we want to make sure, we want to make crystal clear that, that when we are talking about our mission statement, before you can make, grow, and unleash, you have to be a disciple of Jesus. We don't want to jump over that, that step. And uh, so we, we put that in there. And that's what I'm going to be looking at this morning. One of the things we're going to be looking at this morning, are you, are you a devoted disciple of Jesus. Now, uh, we're going to get to our text in just a minute. We're going to be in the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at uh, chapters, uh, chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. Before we get there, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand in just a minute. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. But before we get there, I want to bring us a little bit of context to get us up to, to speed on where we are in this passage. If you remember, Jesus Christ died on the cross, what? For our sins. He was buried and he stayed in the tomb for how many days? Three days, right? But he didn't stay dead. He came back to life. He, actually, he, he was raised from the dead. And when he came back to life, when he was raised from the dead, he went to his disciples. It says that he hung out with them in chapter 1 of Acts for 40 days. I would have loved to seen and heard what they, all that they talked about during that time. I don't know what they did, what they talked about, but before he was ascended into heaven, before Jesus left, he gathered his disciples around him and he gave them a a, a few last words. He said, hang out here in Jerusalem. Do not go anywhere. Hang out until you receive the power or the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes down upon you, you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? To the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus was commissioning them, listen, he was commissioning them to be, make, grow, and unleash gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. That's what our mission is because that's what he gave the church to do. So the day of Pentecost comes, and the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus said, was given and uh, came down upon the church, and the gospel literally explodes in the city of Jerusalem. And Peter, who was a timid uh, kitten, becomes this thundering lion in the streets of Jerusalem. And he, there's a crowd that gathers around him, and he preaches one of the most powerful messages. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, all the things that Jesus had been teaching him for, for three years had come to life in him by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was not doing this in his own power. 
And what he basically said in the message is, listen, God sent the Messiah and you killed him. You killed the Messiah. And a beautiful thing happens. It says that they were cut to the heart. That is a beautiful thing to be cut to the heart by the Holy Spirit because they, they experienced uh, conviction, not only conviction, it wasn't a, a hopeless guilt, it was a godly sorrow. And what did they say? What do I need to do? Okay, I agree we did that, but, but what do I need to do? And Peter says basically a couple of things. He says, repent. In other words, change your mind, turn your direction, come back to what you were uh, running from, go to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus and all your sins, not just what you did to him, but all your sins will be forgiven. That's where we're picking up this morning. So if you would stand with me uh, in honor of the reading of the word of God, we're gonna be picking up with verse 41 and going just through verse 43 right now. We're gonna go a little further in my message, but this is what we're going to read right now. This is the word of God. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine 3,000 people getting saved in one day? And it says, and here's the key word I want us to look at. They, say this with me, they devoted themselves to continue to, um, to I'm going to get there in just a second. You know what the word devoted means? It means to continue to do something with intense effort. To be devoted means to keep on. It means to persist with patient endurance even when things get difficult. That's what it means to endure, So, or to be devoted. So they devote themselves to four things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you again uh, for allowing us to come together. Lord, again, we acknowledge that you are the only true and living God. You are the only one who does great and awesome and wonderful things. And uh, you have called us ordinary people uh, to be your people. And you have set us apart to know you, and to make you known. And so this morning we ask that by your Holy Spirit you would fill us, that you would make yourself known to us uh, so that we can grow in our knowledge of Christ, we can become more like the Lord in the way we live our lives, uh, and that we can make him known. We pray these things in Christ's name, and all God's people said, amen. Okay, you can be seated. Well, let me ask you this. Where were you? Think about where were you six years ago? How old were you? Where were you? You know, there's a saying about church planning that church planning is extremely difficult. And I, I'm going to give a big amen to that. It's, it's very difficult. Uh, it's, it has a lot of stress on your body and on your mind, on your lives. I'm going to show you a picture of what I looked like six years ago <laughs> and today. So now this is a picture of our, our family uh, six years ago. Joshua and Carrie had just gotten married. We had no grandkids at that time. Look at Adoniram. Uh, look at Esther. I'm not, I don't have to go through the whole list there, but I wish, now listen, I really wish I had a picture of, of all of you 
six years ago, but I didn't have time to, you know, email everybody and get a picture. But this is what our family looked like six years ago. We came to Asheville, but you know, before that, we lived in a place called Duncan, South Carolina. It's, it's between Spartanburg and Greenville. We had moved there eight and a half years earlier because I had eight and a half years before that, I had wanted to plant a church in Asheville, but for some reason, God gave me enough discernment that I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to go to a church in, in, in South Carolina that can help uh, get me gospel-centered, help me raise my family. I left ministry, basically, and went down there and lived there for eight and a half years and was a part of a church, very involved in, in missional communities, led a group. Eventually, I, I got on staff uh, at the church and before we came back to plant the ch- this church. But while we were down there, we started a print business where we would print T-shirts, uh, signs, banners. We would do vinyl um, lettering. We would do canvases. We did it all. We did uh, even uh, car wraps. Look at this truck right here. This was my truck that I drove around in Greenville. I would, you know, it's, it's basically a big sticker that you put on, on the truck. Uh, but it, it's really, um, uh, we did a, so many different things when we were print, uh, printing back then. And I remember this, this uh, guru this uh, business guru, he took me aside one day, seeing all the things I was doing. He says, what's your armadillo? I said, what's your armadillo? What what are you talking about? Well, this is an armadillo, right? Um, An armadillo is one of God's most fascinating creatures, isn't it? Um, it, it, It means, armadillo means little armored ones. I love that name. Uh, It's known because it's built... Armor is built on it. I want to show you this video real quick to show you just how fascinating this creature is. So he said, what's your armadillo? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? He said, an armadillo in business is that one bulletproof product or that service, that one service that you provide that you have to be devoted to, razor-sharp devotion to that thing if your company is going to make it through hard times. If you're going to keep your company aligned with its mission, you have to know what your armadillo is. Uh, When things get hectic, this is what you give yourself to. You go go back to your armadillo, make sure that thing is protected. It's, it's, It's like you roll up in that ball and you protect your company through your armadillo. I had too many things going on. I had to figure out what mine were. Now, I don't want you to miss the point that I'm trying to make here with this story about armadillos, because in business, it's important to know what your armadillo is. It's important to know what to be devoted to if you're going to uh, flourish and be profitable in your mission. And in the same way, I'm going to bring this over to our message today, in the same way as disciples of Jesus, as the church, we need to know what our armadillo is as a church. We have to be, give razor-sharp attention to it if we are going to be devoted disciples who be, grow, make, and unleash what? Gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. Um, the big idea that I have this morning for us is that all devoted disciples of Jesus, I'm going to say that again, all devoted disciples of Jesus must be devoted to four basic principles if we are going to fulfill our mission to be, make, grow, and unleash gospel-centered disciples. All of us have to be devoted to this. If we're going to be razor sharp, if we're going to be efficient, 
if we're going to accomplish the mission that God has given us as a church. And before we get into those four, I want to ask you this. What would be yours, your armadillos, for a church? Another way to ask that is when you're doing church shopping and you're deciding which church do I want to be devoted to, what is the, like, the top things that, that have to be in that church in order for you to become a devoted member of that church? What are the non-negotiables? Is it engaging worship? Uh, is it a vibrant children's ministry? Is it a motivational preacher? Come back next week, you'll have one, Terry's preaching. Is it short services? You're in the wrong place for that. What is your list, though, seriously? When you consider what church you're going to be a part of, what are your armadillos? Because those are important to know. Well, you know, let's, let's see what God's are. Because that, we're going to, we've seen that, we've read about that already in our passage. And I'm going to give us, actually, I'm going to give us five armadillos uh, this morning that marked the first century church. And it empowered them to be devoted disciples of Jesus. So if you're taking notes, and listen, when you came in, what you should have gotten was a weekly. And on the back of that weekly, there's a place for you to take notes. There's a place for you to fill in the blanks. We want to make sure that you can walk out of here with something that helps you remember uh, what, was, what was in the Word of God this morning. So you can take notes on there. Some of you got your notebooks. You don't need that kind of stuff. But we're trying to make it as easy, easy as we can to remember what we were talking about this morning. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Devoted disciples of Jesus embrace the ordinary. Devoted disciples of Jesus embrace the ordinary. Look at verses, uh, verse 41 and verse 42. So those, who's those? It's those who are out in the street that day, who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they, who's they? Those who were out in the street, who believed the message, repented, and became disciples of Jesus. They devoted themselves, okay? So, you know, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter was preaching, he did not, you know, go to the White House uh, he did not go to Buckingham Palace. He didn't go to, to Hollywood where all the celebrities and the untouchables reside. No, he was out there amongst the common people, out on the street. Now, there could have been celebrities and uh, dignitaries and people in the street, but most likely most of those 3,000 were just ordinary people like you and me. Uh, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 1. In the Word of God, it says this, what most people, uh, most disciples of Christ are like. See if you can uh, relate to this list here. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise, check, according to the worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Look at this. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Why? So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Isn't that good, church? God saves ordinary people. Isn't that good? Because, why? It allows his glory to be seen through our ordinariness. And, but have you noticed that uh, most of us are terrified at uh, thinking that we're living an ordinary life? 
Um, you don't want me to come up and say, hey, man, you're ordinary. Tell your kid, you know, if you, t- if you went to, uh, told your, the teachers at school, my parents told me I'm just ordinary. You'll go to jail in this day and age, wouldn't you? No, no, we don't want to be ordinary. We want to live radical, transformative, impactful, intense, cutting-edge, awesome, extreme lives, right? We, we want to be known as change agents, visionaries, revolutionists, trailblazing reformers as we flip through our phones for hours, right? But we want to be known as, you know, not ordinary. The last thing that we want to do is to come to the end of our life and realize that we lived an ordinary life like our grandma. Amen? Y'all are acting like you can't relate to, you guys. And there's nothing wrong with a grandma, right, honey? Or a grandpa. There's nothing wrong with that. We all have two. Did you know that? Okay, anyway, I like what Michael Horton says about ordinary. He says in his book, Ordinary, ordinary has to be one of the loneliest words in our vocabulary today. Who wants a bumper sticker that announces to the neighborhood, my child is an ordinary student at Bubbling Brook Elementary? Who wants to be that ordinary person who lives in an ordinary town, is a member of an ordinary church, and has ordinary friends and works an ordinary job? Our life has to count. We have to leave our mark, have a legacy, and make a difference. And all of this should be something that can be managed, measured, and maintained. We have to live up to our Facebook profile. Let me ask you this. Are you afraid? I want you to really be honest uh, to yourself. Are you afraid of being ordinary? Probably. Um, I am, honestly. But, but have you come to realize yet all the time and energy that it takes to try to appear uh, to be extraordinary? Uh, to try to stand out from everybody else in the crowd? Man, this is exhausting madness, really, if you get down to what it requires to be seen as unordinary. Um, I love uh, what the satirical newspaper The Onion wrote about this. It's poking fun uh, at this concept, the fear of living an ordinary life. It says this, longtime acquaintances confirmed to reporters this week that local man Michael Husmer, an unambitious 29-year-old loser who leads an enjoyable and fulfilling life, still lives in his hometown and has no desire to leave. Claiming that the aimless slouch has never resided more than two hours from his parents and still hangs out with his friends from high school, sources close to Husmer reported that the man, who has meaningful, lasting personal relationships and a healthy work-life balance, is an unmotivated washout who's perfectly comfortable being a nobody for the rest of his life. Additionally, pointing to the intimate enduring connection he's developed with his wife, parents, siblings, and neighbors, sources reported that Husmer's life is pretty humiliating on multiple levels. Husmer's ordinary life is debt-free, and he is perfectly content to stay put while many of his high school friends go off to the bright lights in big cities. He doesn't care about impressing total strangers every day as he climbs the corporate ladder when he can invest in the lives of those closest to him. I'm glad I, I'm just glad I got out of there and didn't end up like Mike, said Husmer's cousin, Amari Martin, who's 33, an attorney at a large law firm. The last thing I'd ever want 
is have a loving family nearby, feel a sense of pleasure when reflecting on my life, and be the big failure that everyone runs into when they visit home once a year for the holidays. I mean, who wants to be ordinary, right? Now, don't hear uh, what I'm not saying in all of this. We're not talking, church, about settling for being mediocre, uh, irrelevant, backwoods disciples. I can, I can be one, but, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. Um, if you've been with us for six years, you know that we teach that God wants us to um, develop what he's entrusted to us. He wants us to develop our minds, our hearts, give, give energy to all things that we do, but it's our motivation, isn't it? Why do we do those things? It's not so we don't live ordinary lives, but it's so that we bring glory to our Savior through our lives. And it does take energy to do that. So don't miss what I'm I'm not saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I am saying, though, church, is that there is a danger. There is a danger in always looking for the next big thing, always looking for that next big experience. And the reason that's dangerous is, is because it can keep you from committing. You're afraid to commit, to settle down, and to allow your roots to grow deep in the soils of being ordinary, uh, to endure hardships, to stay in one place. Being afraid to be ordinary can keep us from committing to what's best. It can, it can make us uh, miss what's true and what's true life. You know, things like settling down and committing maybe to a marriage in a marriage or committing in a friendship, staying in it when things get hard. Taking a job, realizing there's going to be a lot of ordinary days within that job that you're going to need to glorify God in by staying where you're at. Or even committing to a church family. Now, I know that there are times when God will move people, and, I'm not, and he's moved many of you out of the city, and even from our church, people have left. And I'm not saying that you were not following God. You were. But I'm talking about when we are looking for something that doesn't exist, when most of our lives are going to be lived in the ordinary. Devoted disciples of Jesus, we embrace the ordinary Realizing that we're not trying to be the Messiah. We need to get that, church. We're not the Messiah. We're not the Savior. We point to the Messiah. We point to the Savior through our ordinary lives. Are you uh, afraid of living an ordinary life? Like I said before, I am. I really am afraid of living an ordinary life because I don't want to waste my life. But I'm going to give you, for the rest of this message, four ordinary biblical armadillos that are going to fall under this first point. That if we are devoted to these ordinary things, we will escape living an ordinary life in the eyes of God. And he's the one that matters, isn't he? All right, let's look at those. Write this down. The devoted disciples of Jesus are devoted to God's 
word. Let's look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, this is extremely important, church. Uh, this is one of our core descriptors when we planted this church. Uh, let's, let's, I think there's a slide for that. Being biblically rooted. And there we go. Joyfully submitted to. See that word joyfully? We chose that uh, on purpose. And transformed by the inspired, we believe that God gave this, the inspired word of God. Matthew 28, Jesus commands his disciples to make disciples. And then he says, and teach them whatever you want to, whatever makes, no, teach them everything I have taught you. So one of our primary goals every week when we stand up here in the pulpit, when I stand up here, when uh, Pastor Terry stands up here, anybody stands up here and preaches the word of God, we are to give you to the best of our ability what we see God saying through the text. And we spend a lot, a lot of energy, more than an hour. I'm not just making this sermon up right now as we're going forward. We spend a lot of time working to make sure that we are doing the best that we can. And guess what? We make mistakes. And when we do, we ask you just to bring it to us so that we can be corrected also. Uh, but let me just tell you this. We're not trying to discover something new uh, for this generation. We're trying to be faithful to what Christ taught 2,000 years ago. Uh, we're not also not trying to improve God's word. It doesn't need me to improve it. It does its work on its own. Uh, uh, we need to teach what Jesus taught. And that's because his word is living. His word is active. His word melts hearts and, and leads to eternal life. And church, you, listen to me, church, you guys have an obligation uh, to us as pastors and even to one another. If someone stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, and you don't know where it's coming from, you have an obligation to say, where'd you get that from? Now, if I stand up and give an opinion and I make sure you know this is my opinion, that's one thing. But if I say this is how you ought to live, you need to be, I need to be able to show you in the Word of God where that's coming from. So the first question I want to ask you this morning is, is are you devoted to God's Word? Are you devoted to God's Word? And you might be saying, well, James, I don't know where to begin. I mean, I want to be, but I don't know where to begin. Well, let me tell you where to begin. You're already there. Come to church on Sunday mornings get you a weekly. On the back, there's a place you can take notes. We're going to come out of the Word of God, take that passage, take notes, take it home, and read that passage during the week. In the week, come to MCs, missional communities. We're going to, by God's grace, go deeper into that passage. That is a great place to start, okay? That, that, that's a starting point. We don't have to have a hundred different Bible studies going on in the church during the week. I'm not against having those, but we, uh, this is an armadillo right here, Staying with the Word of God together, we can grow together. So uh, that can be where you start. Armadillo 1 is be devoted to God's Word. Secondly, this devoted disciples of Jesus are devoted to the fellowship. Look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Uh, the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, and it's it's... It, what it means is being like-minded and united in a common goal. Like-minded and united in a common goal. Simply put, for us, Reach Life Church, we are to be united in a common goal of, of at least two things. Number one, knowing Jesus. 
We need to be united together, and we want to know Jesus, don't we? And then making him known. Knowing him and making him known together as a, as a body. And we have two primary ways that we seek to accomplish this. Again, you are fulfilling the first one, Sunday morning gatherings. This is one of, this is one of the big, um, I guess this is the baby of an armadillo that you're in right now. But the Sunday mornings is extremely important for us as a body. This is a time that we all come together and gather together to hear God's word, to sing God's word, to talk about God's word with one another. So this is one. And then secondly is missional communities. I've talked about that already, but getting together in homes or on Zoom and praying together, um, going deeper into the word of God together, um, uh, having fellowship together. And if, I want you to realize that if, if we do this, we roughly are given 95 opportunities, 95 opportunities a year to get together. For let's say that's two hours at a time, that's 416 hours a year that we get to come together and be together. Now, I'm about to, uh, I'm just going to warn you, I might step on your toes right now um, by the next question I'm going to ask, and that is, and I want you to evaluate, evaluate yourself, would you say that you are devoted to the fellowship? I'm not asking, do you attend a church? Um, and I'm not saying, are you devoted necessarily to Reach Life Church? We don't think we're the only church that exists by any means. But are you devoted to a fellowship, a church fellowship that preaches the gospel? Now, I'm going to remind you again what it means to be devoted. Being devoted means to continue to do something with intense effort to keep on, to persist with patient endurance despite difficulty. Are you devoted to the fellowship like that? You know what I was devoted to in high school? Football. I was devoted. How do I know I was devoted to football? Because during the season, there was this night called Friday Night Football. And I guarantee you that on that night, there was nowhere else I was going to be unless there was a funeral. And it would have had to been my own funeral. Otherwise, I'd be like, can we move it to Saturday? Because I was devoted to playing football. There was no questions asked. And listen, it wasn't out of guilt. No one guilt tripped me like, you better be. I, you couldn't keep me away from the game. You couldn't keep me away from practice. It wasn't because my parents forced me. Actually, they tried to talk me out of it. And I wish I had listened to them. But I was devoted to football. You know why? Uh, it's because one, there's two main reasons. Number one, I didn't want to be seen as ordinary. And when I look back, I did not want to be seen as ordinary. I mean, who would slam their head into somebody else's head unless they were not wanting to be ordinary? You know, you know if, okay, anyway, that's the number one reason. The second reason that I did it was because I had a desire to win. And I wanted to see my team win. I wanted to be, a, I wanted to carry my load within the team. I loved being on the team and, and playing football. So now listen, you see where I'm going with that, don't you, with the church? Now I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I really am not. And you have to, you have to decide whether you, you meet the, the definition of being devoted. I'm not trying to guilt trip you unless you're guilty, okay? Uh, but even then, I'm not trying to trip you. I'm trying to pick you up. 
I'm not trying to trip you. I'm trying to help you see what it is that God has given to us in order to help us to prosper as disciples. And that is being committed to the fellowship and devoted to the the fellowship of believers. And you might be saying, James, you don't understand my life. My life is busy. And I know you're looking at me going, yeah, you preach one hour a week and then you got the rest of the week off. And uh, okay, you can believe that, but uh, there are really some legitimate reasons to, to say that you can't be committed for a season or something. You might have to work. I know that, that our culture is totally different than when we were growing up, um, if you're 40 and up. It's totally different uh, than when we were younger. Uh, there's sicknesses. There's seasons that we just we can't be at the fellowship. And I know that life gets busy, but let me ask you this. When your life gets busy and you have to go through that list of things that you're going to cut out, where does the fellowship fit on there? A lot of times that's the first thing I, I, don't, I can put that over here. Really, that's the last thing we should cut out if we can help it. Now, I know, again, there's seasons that, that we can't uh, to be with the fellowship. All I'm getting at here is that we need to be careful that we're not cutting out an armadillo and replacing it with something that is not going to really matter in eternity. That's that's all I'm saying here. And you might be thinking, well, okay, that's good, but I'm good, James. Like, I don't need, I like to come every now and then, but I don't need to be there all the time because I can study the Word of God by myself I can sing really good with the with the tape or not tape tape. I was gonna say CD, whatever the thing is now. What is those? The Spotify. I'm relevant now with Spotify. I can sing, you know. Uh, I can pray. My family and I can have family devotions, and I would say that's good. You need to have family devotions with your family. That's a good thing to do. Um, and I'm not gonna argue with you really about whether or not you need to uh, whether you. Uh, it matters whether you're good without us, even though you're not. But I'm not going to argue about that this morning. I'm going to let you have that point. You may be good without us, but let me ask you this. What about us without you? What about the church? We need you. Did you know that? Um, I think the Bible teaches that God saves people and brings them into his fold to be with the church of God to be with the church family. He gives us gifts and talents to build up the body. And so one of the things I, I want to get you to think about, if, you, if you're not committed to the fellowship or devoted, are you using your giftings to bless the body of Christ? We need you. I'm going to go a little bit more personal with that. I need you. I'm talking to you as, a, as your pastor right now. I need you. I need your encouragement. Um, I can't, this week, uh, we had missional communities. We get to host one in our home. And I cannot tell you how much just seeing people walk in our door brings encouragement to me. Um, and I know anyone else that's, that's in an MC, when, when you see people coming, sacrificing. I know we've had long days. We all have. And sometimes we're all like almost asleep in the circle beginning. beginning. But the thing that really encourages me is that as we get going, as we open up the word of God, what happens amongst us, people begin to rejoice. But you know what? 
uh, and share what God's done. But you know what I really was encouraged by this week is people shared where they were struggling this week. Struggling with sin. Ooh, there was no condemnation in that room, I guarantee you. And also struggling, you know, struggling with God. And we were able to pray together, bring encouragement together, because people, we had come together. And you may, you may be thinking, you know, James, you got issues. And I would agree, I do, more than you even realize. Um, you know, one of the best compliments I ever got in this church, uh, it's a quote. It's on, it says, Pastor James, I used to think pastors were perfect until I met you. <laughs> Kelly Fisher, she's on the back row right here. And she said it, she said it in a uh, missional community, in my living room, I think it was actually. So in front of everybody, she said that. And I remember thinking, good, good. Now, I mean, good, you see that I'm weak. You see that I'm fragile. Maybe you see I'm insecure at times. Um, I'm ordinary. And I boast in that because it means I need a savior. We are not, listen, church, we are not armadillos. God did not give us armor, built-in armor, so that we can live alone and ball up in a ball when things get bad. Now, we are what? Don't know. We're sheep. <laughs> we are what? That means sheep right there, okay? When I do that, you just say sheep. <laughs> oh, boy. I told you I had issues. We are sheep who need a, a shepherd and to be together. We need each other. Wandering sheep are, you know what they're, it's called? It's lion's food. And you may ask me, James, why are you devoted? Because I, I am devoted to the church. And you may say, well, it's because you get paid. And I'm not going to deny that helps, okay? But I was devoted before I became a pastor. I guarantee you I, I did. I was. And uh, the reason I'm devoted to the church is because I'm devoted to Christ. But you know why I'm devoted to Christ? Because he's devoted to me. I'm not devoted to him because I'm devoted to him. I'm devoted to him because he's devoted to me. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. I'm not bragging in myself. I'm bragging in Christ. So as, as I know his love for me, I become devoted to him. And guess what? Jesus is devoted to his church. Jesus is devoted to his church. So church, why wouldn't we be devoted to his people, to his fellowship? All right, enough on that point. Let's go to the, point, the, the third armadillo. Devoted disciples of Jesus are devoted to breaking the breaking of bread. Now, this, this can mean two things. One, it's, it's making reference to the Lord's Supper. Uh, this is one of the wonderful blessings that we've had each week. Listen, at the, at the end of each sermon, a service, we have the opportunity to respond to what God has been saying to us individually and corporately. So as you're, listen, as you're taking notes, as the Holy Spirit is cutting your, uh, quickening you or you're cut to the heart about something, write that down. He's wanting, he's showing you, okay, this is an area, I'll not make you feel guilty. I want to grow you in this area. Write it down. And then during communion, this is a time for you to pray about it. Pray it back to the Lord. But, but that, it, that's what breaking of the bread can mean. Secondly, it can mean 
literally breaking bread, sharing meals together in homes. And this is one of the things that we value at Reach Life Church. We want to be a very relational church. We're not against programs, but we're not building on programs. We want to be uh, in, the, in ordinary situations in living rooms, on couches, um, around bonfires. Let me ask you this. Are you devoted to breaking bread with the fellowship? How would you know? Well, when was the last time you shared a meal with a brother or a sister outside of, well, we don't eat in here, but outside of the service? Well, you're going to get an opportunity to, to stay for lunch, so maybe you'll do that and break bread with us. But I just want to encourage us to use your, what God has given you, the ordinary things he's given us, and invite people into your life to share a meal. Uh, have a game night. Sit around and talk, like I said, around a bonfire. Watch a game together and eat, and eat a meal together. Or how about this? Get together and pray together. Speaking of prayer, that leads me to my last armadillo, which is being devoted to prayer. Devoted disciples of, of Jesus are devoted to prayer. This is, again, one of our core descriptors, which means to be humbly confessing our dependence on God, to empower us to know him more fully, to live godly lives, and to make him known. That's what we want to accomplish during prayer. And, you know, prayer is either the proof of our dependence on God our prayer life is proof of that, or the lack of prayer is our declaration of independence from God. Our prayer lives show how much do we think we need God. When we don't pray, you know what we're saying? God, I got this. Or we're going to something other than God, which is known as an idol, and God's like, come to me. Um, let me tell you a few. I'm just going to share a few of my prayers that I have been praying lately. Um, one of them is this. God, I don't got this. God, I don't know what I'm doing. Now, I know some of y'all's prayers are being answered when I pray that. that I'm finally getting it. God, I really don't think I can go on. Now, I'm not making this up. When I'm, I'm sharing what I've prayed recently in the last couple months. I don't think I can go on. Um, God, I need you. I need you. I don't need more money. I don't need things to go better at the church. I don't need my life situation to change. I need you in the midst of my situation. God, I ask that you would that you would fill me. If you fill me and I'm full of you, I can lay uh, on my bed as a quadriplegic and not and glorify you and it be okay because I know that this is not the end. This is not the end. But God, I need you. Those are prayers that I have prayed. And let me tell you what's happened in those prayers. God has given me wisdom. God has given me strength and endurance to keep going. He's like, yeah, okay, you can't go forward, but you're going to. And he has given me power to go forward. He has brought me satisfaction in my life. 
in difficult times. We all, and you know what? We all have those, don't we? Let me encourage you. Take them to the Lord. Let's be a people of prayer. Um, pour out our hearts to prayer, uh, through prayer to God, because he cares for us and he answers us. And prayer, listen, it covers our armor and makes us bulletproof. We, we can't forget prayer. Now, earlier, and I'm about to close here, but earlier I said that, you know, we're, we're ordinary people. Um, but that does not mean we're not valuable to God. When I say we're ordinary, what I mean is we're the same. We're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. But we don't have to stand out from one another. We need to make Jesus stand out in our midst. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in my own life is that when I embrace that I am ordinary, in other words, when I embrace, embrace that I am limited, that I'm human, that I'm fallen, that I need a Savior, um, and when I'm devoted to God's Word, when I'm devoted to the fellowship, when I'm devoted to the breaking of bread, when I'm devoted to prayer, none of my days are ordinary. It's amazing. Even in the mundane things, I can worship God and praise Him all day long when I am practicing these simple, ordinary things that I've talked to, you, that I've been preaching about this morning. Look at the last few verses of. Acts, beginning with verse 43 of chapter 2. Look what happened after they were doing these four things. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. In other words, that list there, who do they look like? They look like Jesus, don't they? Who gave all for us. And then look what happened. And the Lord, the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Don't you want to see that, Reach Life Church? We already are experiencing that. <laughs> there is an awe of God in our church already. I love um, watching our uh, you guys, you ladies, uh, you children, getting the gospel and living it out. I love hearing about what you're doing in, in, in your work, uh, in school, uh, wherever God has you planted in, in your homes. And this morning, as, we're, as I'm closing out here, I want to ask you something. Of those uh, five areas that I have shared this morning, has, is God calling you to grow in any of those areas? Now, don't be overwhelmed and go, yeah, it's all of them. Okay, where is one area that God wants you to grow. I mean, just take, take one step. Where is an area? I want you to ask God to show you that if, he, if, if you haven't already. But maybe it's very clear to you. 
I know what area I need to grow in. I want you to write it down. Write it down on that, uh, on your, in your notes. And then I want to encourage you to share it with someone. Share it with another believer who can pray with you about it, and maybe even before you leave today. Secondly, I want to, I want to um, make a deal with you this morning. I want to make a deal with you, church. Uh, you all are on the front lines of life and, and um, doing things that, that me and, and Pastor Terry often can't do. Uh, in your jobs, wherever God has you, in your school. And sometimes it's, it's maybe difficult for you to just share the gospel. But, but what I want to encourage you to do is do something that I'm going to call invest and invite. Okay, invest and invite. What that means is you're going to invest your life wherever God has you planted. And whoever's in your life, you're going to invest your life in them, in however God leads you. And then you're going to invite them to come to the fellowship as you build a friendship. Hey, you need to come here and meet one of my, my weird pastors and bring them to the fellowship. And here's... here. <laughs> Here is, here's our guarantee to you. We will preach the gospel in such a way that's so clear that they, by God's grace, can understand it and make a decision one way or the other. Invest and invite. So maybe there's somebody in your mind, your heart right now that's, that you're already thinking about. I want to encourage you to be praying for that person. We, and why? It's because we love what we've experienced in Christ. And we love what we're experiencing with one another. And so what, we're gonna do, what we want to do is invite people into it. I think that that's what happened in the, in the first century church, isn't it? They saw what God was doing. They weren't beating them over the head with a Bible. They saw what Christ was doing in their fellowship as they were being faithful to, the, to their armadillos. And God added to their number. So I, I want to encourage you on that this week. Is there somebody that God would have you invest in and then bring to the fellowship at some point. Whatever God is calling you to do this morning, I want to encourage you to listen and to humbly obey. Amen? Amen.